Aren't you glad there's no picnic today? Next week, sunshine, 80 degrees. Mark that on your calendar, all right? Next week, we're going to have a great time together and enjoy uh, the fellowship. There's, there's one thing great about uh, the church coming together in a time of fellowship and working together and eating together and enjoying one another. And so it's a, a great privilege uh, for us to be able to do that on uh, this next Sunday, the, the 16th. We've got a lot of good things that are going to be tr- happening out here on these grounds and want you to be a part of it. <clears throat> I thought about this morning of uh, a couple in the church that's been very caring about one another, and Lisa and Dave. And uh, they, they, Dave really takes good care of you, Lisa. And uh, I heard uh, a few weeks back he was away for a week, and he was coming back, and he wanted to treat you real well, so he stopped at a little store. He went in at the counter, and he said to the, to the lady at the store, he said, I want to get something really nice for my wife. I haven't seen her in a week. She said, well, uh, she pulled out a bottle of perfume, and she said, this is, this is the highest that we have. This is what everybody's demanding today. He said, how much? She said, $75. He said, a little much. You have something else. So he went and looked around, and she found another bottle about half that size, and she said, this is, this is pretty much a runner-up to that. It's pretty good perfume. Uh, you know, he said, how much? And she said, well, this is a little cheaper. This is 49 A little much. Don't you have an... Well, she said yes. She went and looked, and she came back with a little wee tiny bottle. And uh, Dave thought for sure that would be the one. And, and so she looked at it. He looked at it, and he said, how much? She said, that's $29. He said, honey, don't you have something that is much, much cheaper? And she reached down under the counter and pulled up a mirror and put it in his face. <laughs> much, much cheaper. Well, you know, that's life. You know, we do that once in a while. I, I want to share with you this morning from, from Ephesians chapter number 4. And... uh a concern that I have and uh, have had for through the years in ministry, and uh, I want to I want to share with you what the Apostle Paul is writing to us here in this this uh, fourth chapter, first beginning down to verse number seventeen. If you want to follow along, uh, chapter four of Ephesians, verse seventeen. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility and their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and that has separated them from the life of God. Because of their ignorance, it is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, and so to indulge in every kind of impurity, with a, with a continual lust for even more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard Him and were taught in Him in accordance to with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires to be made anew in an attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God 
in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off the falsehood of sp- and speaking the truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you and still in anger. And do not give to the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing, steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with your own hands, that you may have something to share with those in need. Do not let, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful to build up others and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you have been sealed from the day of your redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ in God has forgiven you. Wow, that's a mouthful. When you think about being a Christian, that's what I want to talk about. You call yourself a Christian. And I thought about the story of a couple that we had opportunity. In fact, I even married them, Alan and Kathy. But they got three wonderful children. They live in the state of West Virginia. And Alan has a very stressful job. He, he, he's up early in the morning, but uh, he's a Christian young man. He pours his life and all of his energy into helping his lovely wife raise their children. And he's very active in the church, works on boards, sings in the choir, uh, does all of these things, and yet works a very uh, tenseful job that starts early in the morning. He must leave his house at 5 o'clock in the morning to head to Charleston to begin his day. And, and he's a very hard-working man. And one night, as he was trying to get his rest, the kids are in bed and they're trying to get sleep to sleep because sleep is a great commodity to somebody that's on the road that works as many hours as he does. But in the wee hours of the night, the neighbor's dog was barking and barking and barking. He just kept rolling over, trying to put the pillow over his head, trying to get rid of that sound, but he couldn't accord. Finally, it got the best of him. He went to the hall, he threw open the window, and he yelled out at that dog, You stupid dog, shut up! And he put the window back down. As he turned to go back to the bedroom, there stood his seven-year-old son with his hands on his hips. And looking at his dad, he said, And you call yourself a Christian? (laughs) A little tough coming from a seven-year-old. But you know, I tell the story for one reason, because I believe this story reminds us, it's an incident that underscores a principle. We who call ourselves Christian assume tremendous responsibility. You know, sometimes Christians today who call themselves Christians are much like men and women. You know, Anybody with all their faculties can produce a child. If you get a man and a woman together, they can produce a child. That doesn't make them a parent. That makes them somebody that produced something, but they are not living up to their responsibility. I think the same thing is true in the Christian life. I think sometimes people claim to be Christian, but are not willing to live the life 
that they ought to. What does it mean translated into everyday life when you call yourself a Christian? I want to talk about that for a minute. First of all, being a Christian means you're under new management. You're under new management. You're, you're, not, you're not of your own any longer. In fact, when a person becomes a Christian, the decision is made to transfer the title of life of self over to Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible teaches that because you'll read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you which you have of God, you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Now, when I hear people say, it's my life, I can live it any way I want to. I I mean, everybody else is doing it. I, I, I don't, you know, what I look like or where I go or how I do things or how I perceive makes no difference. Yes, it does. And more importantly is, is that the Bible teaches that when we have been transferred our ownership, He becomes inside of us. He becomes our spirit. And so therefore, that's what Paul was writing to the Ephesians about, is watching what's on the inside. The Apostle Paul's words grows out of logic that you're no longer in charge of your life when Jesus Christ becomes the control of it. I, I... You know, I I find this because, you know, I I had to deal with it very early on in my life as a young teenager getting saved and feeling the call of God to preach. And then after a few years of, of, of studying and doing some preaching in some settings where, you know, people couldn't find nobody else, so I was a guy. So I would go and preach. But you know what, I, I come to the point to where I had preached and preached and preached, and now that Beverly and I had gotten married, it was, it was the idea that Sister McCutcheon said, now, Brother Swagger, you probably ought to go out there to Texas to school, because if you do that, it'll give you some recognition. I don't know how much they taught me. I don't know how much I know now. <laughs> but you know what, I, I went to school. But you know what, in that process... Because God had come into my life and because God had called me, my family didn't always agree with that. You see, my dad had the idea, son, first of all, he said, you, you, you've never been out of the state of Ohio. And you're going to Texas. You don't know how to get to Texas. You know, I mean, I mean, he was very upset. He said, I don't understand. You've got a wife to take care of, and, and you don't understand. You've got responsibilities, and, and, and you've got a job that's doing fine, and you're preaching on the weekends anyway. Why in the world would you give that up and go there? You see, he didn't understand that when God took over my life, he became the boss, not me. It wasn't what I desired. It's not what I want. You see, the same thing is true through all these years and over 50 years of serving the Lord and preaching the gospel. You know what? There's times where I have to admit when the phone rings and I can't, I even have my wife sometime answer because I can't get to it quick enough. You know? And, and, you know, it's not always easy when the phone rings at two or three in the morning to be able to get up and wash your face and put your clothes on and go to the emergency room or go to somebody's house or go do this or go do that because God called you to do this job you don't have control of it any longer. 
And see, there's a lot of people that want their religion to work on Sundays or inconvenient times. Usually when we need something, we get close to God. Amen? <laughs> Isn't that true? Most of the time, our greatest prayer time is when we need something. When, when trouble comes and, and we really want God to answer our prayers, then we really get close to God. We'll pray more than we've ever prayed in all our life. Well, let me just say, the Apostle Paul was telling us here that when we are no longer in charge of our life, that he becomes the boss. And the Christian is to operate their business by the policies and the standards of the boss. You know what they are? The policies and the standards of the boss is right here. We are to operate our lives in accordance to the Word of God because God now is in control of us. He's now taking care of us. You know, I thought about this. You know, when I hear of a poorly run, mismanaged business that has been taken over by some highly professional, successful company, my expectations of that business changes. I begin to watch that business. I begin to see what's going on there. I begin to see more traffic there. And it changes me to the place where I give the old business a new try because now there's a sign that says under new management. Did you know that there's a lot of folks that you and I know that we wouldn't cross the street to shake their hands and there's some of them we wouldn't want our kids walking with or relating with. But you know what? When Jesus Christ comes into their hearts and lives and they get under new management, we have to give them another try. We have to give them another chance. And I see it happen so many times in ministry. You see, the same is true with people's lives. When God changes them, you know what? There's a difference. They become under new management. According to Ephesians 4, God takes the broken down, bankrupt, filthy, scandalous lives and assumes liability for them. You know what He does? You know, God takes a person's life that has failed, that's broken, that hasn't lived what they ought to. When He comes into their heart and life, God takes over when they invite Him in. And when He comes into our lives, I'm going to tell you something, He takes the liabilities. He cancels all the debts. He begins to take over and make our lives powerful and more productive than they've ever been in, in all of our life. Because now He's in control. And so I want to say this morning that being a Christian, you become under new management. There's a second thing that I think we need to see. Being a Christian means your life reflects on the name of Christ. Everything I do, everything you do, and, and, and you know, not only on the life of Christ, but when I claim to say and stand and say, I am a Christian, not only do I reflect on Christ, but I reflect my life on every other brother and sister in the church. All of us. We are brothers. We are, are one body, the Bible says. We're, we're all in one of this thing and together and for one thing. You know, I think that, that, that it's true that there's a saying that says a, a chain is only strong is, 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 at its, is at its weakest link. You know, sometimes Christians causes the message of the gospel to become weak. Because we find someone that does love. It's amazing how, how much damage one bad restaurant can do or motel can do for a whole franchise. 
You see, you can be in your own town and you can go to a restaurant and you can brag about it. And I've done it through the years, you know. And this franchise, this guy was a good manager. He hired good help. He had the best cooks. And when you went there, you got quality food. But you know what? You go travel around the country and pretty soon you run into a town that has the same name on the marquee and the same hours and the same kind of design building. And you go in and you're disappointed. Why? Because you see, you go home and you begin to think, you know what, I used to think that franchise was the best, but I got a bad one. And because of that bad one, it makes you think twice when you go down to the street into a neighboring town and see that marquee again. You're questioning whether or not you want to go there or not. But you know, the same thing is true in the life of a Christian. The same thing is true in the life of the church. You see, I believe that this is also true in the church and Christianity. It has been advertised, affected to those who assume the name but don't choose to live the lives. We've got a lot of people that assume the name. Oh, I, yeah, I belong to that church. I can, remember, I can remember a number of years back when I first went to Bell Fountain, Ohio, and, and there was a large church, and I visit hospitals all the time. I go all hours a day and night, and I was in the hospital one day, and, and I was visiting a lady, and I, I, I've always, you know, back then they had two people in a room, sometimes three. And I'd go in the room, I'd be talking to one of my brothers or one of my sisters that was in the church, and, and I'd be talking, and, and pretty soon I'd, I'd introduce myself to them. And, and I'd say to them, well, where, where do you go to church? And, and I'll never forget, this lady said, well, I go to that church out there on 33, on the corner of Brown and 33. I said, oh, you do? And she said, yeah. She said, my kids went there, they went going on the bus, and I used to go all the time, and she said, uh, I, I, you know, she, I said, well, well, who's the pastor out there? She said, well, I, I believe his name was, uh, it was a color. What was it? What was it? Oh, oh, I, I think his name might have been Brown or, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I said, well, let me introduce you. I'm the pastor. I said, I've been there five years. I'd like for you to come back. <laughs> Now, she was giving me the impression that she went to the Church of God on Brown Street all of those years, you know. Sometimes people like that create more problems for the church. Sometimes we have people that are out here living just any way and every way and claiming to be Christian. You know, I think there's a difference between being religious and being Christian. You see, there's a lot of people that are religious. There's a lot of people that will tell you, I mean, they're religious. They know the rules. They know the things you shouldn't do and the things you should do. They know the Bible. They know the Scripture. They know all of these things. And they would never. I've, I've known people that won't go to church, but when they get a Bible, I've had some people say to me, what do you do with an old Bible that the pages are falling out and the cover's falling off? I said, throw it away. <laughs> they said, oh, I couldn't do that. Okay, they couldn't throw the book away because it just published. I mean, it's a Bible, but there's nothing that says you can't throw it away if it's, if it's worn out. And I'm hopefully it's worn out and somebody got something good out of it. But you know what? Sometimes they won't do that, but they won't take an hour on Sunday morning to go to church or go to, to go to a service or go to a prayer meeting or anything else. But you see, they, they place a bad reputation. I thought about this this week. I don't know if you ever realized or not, there was only one time that I find in the Bible that Jesus was ever sick. Anybody know when Jesus was sick? Look through the Bible, you'll find only one time Jesus was ever sick. You have to go to Revelations. In the third chapter of Revelations, 
after Jesus left this earth and went back to heaven, He looked at the church. He looked at the people that says, I am Christian. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, you know, you've read it many, many times. Notice what he says. It pictures the church trying to straddle the fence. Notice what he said. He said, he said, then he looked a little and, and he, he was kind of like the boy. You know, I, I think about the people of the church. They're kind of like a little guy that was praying one night. He's praying before he went to bed and he, he prayed, Lord, I want you to, I want you to help me to be good. But Lord, don't make me so good that I can't do nothing. Just make me good enough that I don't get in trouble. You know, a lot of people are that way. Lord, just make me Christian enough that I, that I can have, feel good or I can make people think I'm something, but, but don't make me holy. Don't make me righteous. Don't make me uh, to live a life where, where people look at me and, and see the difference that is really taken. Help me just to get along. But you know what? This is what I see in Revelations. For it says, notice what he said, I know your works, you're either cold or hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm, I will... Hey, notice he said, because you're not, neither hot or cold, I will vomit you or I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, you know what? When you get sick, you vomit. And so Jesus was sick. He was sick from what he seen people that claimed to be Christian. This church claimed to be something. They claimed to have truth. They claimed to be able to live the life. But when Jesus looked down upon them, He saw something that wasn't there. You see, they were a little too cold to be hot. And they were a little too hot to be cold. They were a little too bad to be good, and they were a little too good to be bad. They straddled the fence. You know, there's a lot of people that way. You look at people, you know what I'm talking about. People say, well, well, those are fine people. And you say, well, you know what, how, how much of a Christian life are they living? How, how well are they doing in their Christian experience? Well, you know, Pastor, they're really not bad people. Well, neither were the people in Laodicea that made God sick. I wonder today if God sometimes doesn't look down on Sunday morning and get sick because He sees people that are not in church, that are not studying, that's not listening, that's not living up, that's not witnessing, not being what they ought to be, if God doesn't simply say to God, God say, man, I'm so sorry. I just wish I had some folks on fire. I just wish I had some that, that had a spirit. You know what? This is what you find. They, they, the Word of God, you see, they, they love God, but not very, very much. They just loved Him a little bit. They, they, they were, they weren't, they weren't fervent. They weren't zealous about it. There's a lot of people who says, well, you know, I, I like God, but I'm not all that crazy about Him. I mean, I'm not crazy enough to be one of those fanatical Christians. Well, let me tell you something. Being a Christian, my friend, it means that there's more to it than what people think. We, you and me, what we do, what we say reflects on the name of, of, of the church and of Jesus Christ. Who I am, who I claim to be, and who I actually am in life, my friend, makes a difference to people. I remember one time when we had moved away, and we took, I told you, going off to Texas to school, we'd, we'd bought a house. We, we, that's why my dad was upset. He said, you got a house, you got everything here, and you're going off to Texas. Well, we, we left the house. We rented it to somebody else. They paid the rent, and it's a part of it anyway. They, they paid the rent, and, and we went off to school. 
And uh, some friends of ours that had come through, had moved away, that had known us and knew where we lived, had come back to visit. And they didn't know we'd gone to Texas. And so they drove in my driveway. You drive in the driveway, it was a black top. You go around like this and come back out the other side because you didn't want to back out on the main road. And up on the bank behind it, I had built a, a picnic area and, you know, a place to roast hot dogs and all this stuff. And they drove in and they looked up there and there was a big old picnic going on. And the fellow said, I looked up there and I saw... I saw these folks. I didn't recognize any of them. I was kind of looking for you or Beverly. He couldn't find you. And he said, but, but I knew one thing. I said to my wife right there and there, that's not the Swaggers. That's not the, we got the wrong house. We got the wrong house. Because on them tables was a bunch of beer bottles. Well, he knew that we didn't drink. He knew that we were Christian and that we tried to live holy lives. And, and so he was able to say, you know what? But you know what? Had they driven through and I would have been in that crowd, what would have they thought of me? What would you think of someone? You know, sometimes we need to realize that we are the light of the world. We are the ones, my friend, that, the, that people are looking at. We are the only Jesus some people will ever see. There's some people that, you know what, they, they won't do nothing without having a preacher hold their head. Because you know what? That preacher represents Jesus. I have a little lady, 93 years old. Someone I just met through their family. He owns a business in our town, and I do a little bit of work for them once in a while and help out at their house. And, and, and she said to me one day, she said, Pastor, she said, my mom remembers you coming and looking at her garage door and trying to help figure that out one time before she ever moved back down here. And she said, uh, she's not doing too well. Would you, would you mind visiting her? Oh, I'd love to go visit her. I went to the nursing home, and there she was. And lo and behold, 93 years old, she could still remember me. Man, I'll tell you what. You know, when you've got an ugly face and anything, you know, people never forget it. But so I walked into that room, and she smiled, came on her face, and her hand came out. And, and she said, well, why, why you're, you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, yes. And she recognized me. She remembered me. Now, I've been visiting her at the hospital. Now she's in hospice care. And they took her to the hospice, and, and she's there. they took her in the middle of the night, and I went the next day to see her. This is last week. And when I walked into the room, her daughter said, Now, Mom's not been aware. She's not really been a, really aware of anybody. She said, So she may not. Maybe the medicine. I don't know. But I walked over, and I put my hand on her. She's, she's a beautiful lady for 93 years old. I mean, don't have a wrinkle in her face. She keeps her hair so nice. She, she puts these creams on to keep her skin so soft. And she's just a beautiful lady. And not only outwardly, but inwardly. And she opened, when I spoke, she heard my voice. And she opened her eyes, and a smile came on her face, and she pulled that arm off and under, and reached up and touched my face. She said, oh, you've come to pray for me, and I'm praying for you. Ninety-three years old. Now I'm going to tell you something. This little lady represents in that nursing home, in that place, the power of Jesus Christ has changed lives. Here she is all these years of living. She's lost her husband. She has a son that at, at 19 years old was in a terrible accident. She's taken care of him up until now. He's got, he's got dementia. 
He's, he's in his 50s. He's got dementia. But she took care of him herself. He never married. She took care of him. But you know what? She never once complained. She never once complained. She lived that life before everybody. You see, that's what I'm talking about. When we call ourselves Christian, we need to be able to live the life through the trials as well as through the high times. When we go through difficulties, the world is looking at us. I will never forget when we lost our son. 25 years old in a car accident. And a pastor came to visit us. Sat in our living room. And you know what she said? She said, now brother, Swagger and sister Swagger, I, I, want, I want to tell you something. I want you to look at me. And I want you to know that all the years of ministry and all the people in this town that know you, they're going to put their eyes on you more than they ever have of how you handle this. Let me tell you something. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But you know what? We had to realize that people knew when they'd ask us, well, we're just asking the Lord day by day, and we're still asking the Lord day by day to help us. You see, that's the thing that gives you the victory, that keeps you living the life and walking the walk that you ought to be walking. You see, when you call yourself Christian, there's responsibilities to it. There's a third thing. Being a Christian means you're on 24-hour duty. I mean 24 hours a day. Some have grown up with the idea that Christianity is separate from real life. You know, we've had people through the years, and I've known them, you have too, when they say, well, I've got, get, got to get off my Sunday clothes. I've got, I got, I, I got, got to find my Sunday clothes if I'm going to do this or do that. What do they mean? They meant that many times, many of those people, the only time they really paid attention or read the Word or prayed or anything was on Sunday. Now let me tell you something. God doesn't call us to just live it on Sunday. It's not just a matter of a Sunday time. Some people have grown up with the idea that Christianity is separate from real life. Those who view Christianity just as another religion are, and not a relationship will fall, my friend, into deception. They fall into deception because, you see, they have a religion that only works on certain days. But I want you to know that God, when He comes into your heart and life, He's there 24 hours a day. He's there when the sun's shining. He's there when the rain's falling. He's there when there's difficulties. I want to tell you something. He's there to help us through every situation because He's living in our hearts. A Christian, my friend, is someone that has it all on the church. It's not a building. It's a people of God. This church, this building is a wonderful place. It's a beautiful place. It's, a, it's basically on a day like today when it's raining outside and you can sit on the inside and be nice and dry. But let me tell you something. When you drive by this building, it's a place where the church meets. It is not the church. When the lights go out on Sunday, the church goes home to be the light of the world and the soul of the earth. You see, when these lights go out, we become. We come here to get charged up. We come here to receive new light. We come here to dedicate our lives to help us to shine better for Jesus. You see, that's what it's all about. When the church service ends, the ministry of Christ begins in the world. You see, the problem with many times when you just have a religion and you just have a church that you call, a building that you call a church, is everything takes place in it. Let me tell you something. It, it, it takes nothing to do ministry in here. 
It's the ministries out there. When someone has a need, when someone has, has a, a need for you to help them, to encourage them, to show them that there's a better way, to live the life before them, that they can be able to look back and say, man, I want what you've got. So you call yourself Christian. Let me tell you something. Let me ask you this morning, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the younger generation that will follow behind us, for these little kids that are running around here that love the Lord, they, they sit up here on that day when we had that children's message and I watched their eyes, they're so excited. They, 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 they love to hear about Jesus and what He's doing and what He can do. And they're, It's imparting into their life. They're trusting Him. And I think about that. You know, it's such a special time for our younger generation and multitudes of dying souls. Please take your responsibility seriously to show the world Jesus Christ. Take it seriously enough to show them of what they can do. Instead of pointing our finger at people that don't know Him or that just have a religion, show them what God can do. Show them how God can deliver. Show them how God can give peace. Show them how God can direct your life. You see, that's what Christian is all about. There's more, my friend, than a religious theory. The living reality makes all the difference in the world. People don't want to hear about it. They want to see it. You know what? I hear about a lot of things, you know. But I want to see it. I'm one of them people that I just got to see it. When I see something advertised that's new on television or whatever, I I look at it and I have to admit, I'm very skeptical. I say, man, they did that, but, but you know what? That's on a television. They probably tried that 17 times to get it just right. I want to know. I want to see it with my own eyes. And when a person, that's exactly what the sinner wants to know. Or the person that's having trouble with, with, with their life and with their job and with their anger and with their attitude and with their, the way that they're thinking and the things that they're doing. My friend, they want to know, how can I get beyond this? How can I get out of it? You see, we need to be able to say to them, look, I was there. I know. When I see people out there that are struggling, I thank God every day. I thank God that He caught me at a young age to where I could have been in that same position. That could have been me. That could have been my family. That could have been your family. You know, but the the difference is is that God has put His hands around us and protected us. We're here to show people what life is all about. Well, I talk about it in in just a few moments. I'm going to close. But I think about a witness, a great witness that came from a missionary. And and, and I read the story and it just, just hit home. Missionary was witnessing praying to his Muslim neighbor. His Muslim neighbor who was there and, uh, you know, they, they became friends, but the Muslim would never allow the conversation about Jesus. They were good friends, but don't talk about Jesus. The Muslim didn't believe in him. He didn't believe in the Lord. One day the missionary invited this friend. He had to make a trip into another town. I'd take him across the desert to get there. And he asked him if he'd like to ride along, and he said, oh yes. So they got in the car and they started across the desert. As they started across the desert, they got out there a number of miles away in no man's land and that car began to spit and sputter and quit. There they were sitting. And the fellow got out and the missionary got out and they opened the hood and they began to try to check things out to see what was going on, what was the matter. As he began to look at it, the Muslim saw this truck coming and he began to wave and wave and wave and he said, hey, hey missionary, wave. He said, he, he, he can help. We got help coming. And he kept waving and waving and waving and when the truck come up, it come up real close and slowed down and gave him a gesture. 
and laughed and sped off. The Muslim fellow just looked at him and said, Oh, I thought we had some help, but I guess we don't. And the fellow finally found out that it was a cable down on the starter that was jumping back and forth, and he got down there and he tightened it up. And you know, most missionaries, are they're pretty smart. They can do all kind of mechanical work. He fixed that thing, got it running. And they started across that desert to finish. And I tell you what, they got about ten miles across that desert, and there set that truck broke down. And that Muslim said, pull up close. Pull up close. I'll spit on him. I'll show him. And the missionary said, no, no, no. No, no, no. No, you just sit still. We're going to help him. He said, you've got to be crazy. He said, no, we're going to help him. He got out and he began to help the guys. He began to look at things. Pretty soon they got that thing running. And the guy driving the truck just pulled off. And they got back in the car and they started off. And they went about five miles. It was all silence. And all of a sudden the Muslim said, Tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about this Jesus. You see, sometimes how we react and how we relate to situations is a message that tells people about the Jesus we serve. You know, when you see somebody or hear somebody that's hurting, and you say, oh my, that's terrible, but you ever stop to think about taking five minutes to pray for them? You know, I've I said it over and over. I've known many, many times when people that have been hurting. And I hear people say it over and over. Now, if you ever need any help, call me. If you ever need any help. But you know what? I've never known any people call them. But I've known a lot of people that had Jesus in their heart and their life and said, you know what? I feel impelled. I, I cannot sleep. I cannot eat. I've got to go help them people. And I've seen him go and clean a house. I've seen him go and take care of kids. I've seen him go and bring groceries. I've seen him go and help them in situations. And you know what? By doing that, they begin to let them know that Jesus wasn't somebody we just talk about and that we preach about. He was somebody that lived in the hearts of people. So you call yourself Christian. Think about it. Are you just religious? Or are you really a Christian? A Christian is one that has died to themselves, has transferred that deed over into the hands of Almighty God, and says, God, You're the boss of my life. You tell me what I do. I used to have fun with a lot of churches, and they'd say, We'd sure like to hire you to come over. I said, I'm not a hireling. (laughs) I'm not a hireling. God called me. If He calls me there, I'll come. But I'm not going to be hired. You see, because you can fire a hireling. <laughs> you can't fire me. Uh-huh. God, God brought me. I, I'm there for that reason. And let me tell you something. Your life, every one of you, are the light of this world. If there's darkness around us and people are fastly going down to death's grave without Jesus Christ, if there are people that are traveling that road that's heading towards hell, my friend, it's time that you as a Christian stand and let them know eternity is long. It's forever and ever and ever. And I don't want to see you go to there. I want you to come and join the crowd. I want you to go with me. Let's make our way to heaven together. There are people all around us today that need to know Jesus. You say, well, I can't preach. Yes, you can. 
If you'll walk your life, if you'll dedicate your life, if you'll say, Jesus, you take over, if you'll purify me, if you'll make me holy and righteous and clean and make me someone that when they see me, they see you, it'll make a difference in the world. All men will be drawn unto Him through our lives because we are the mouthpiece. We are the representative for Jesus Christ today. God sent His Son, and His Son has sent us into the world to be light and salt that can change lives. You're here this morning if you have that need, and you really want to get emphatically excited about Jesus. Give Him all your life. Give Him everything you got. And I'll tell you what, it'll make a difference in your life and in those that you touch around you. Let's stand. Father, you know the hearts and the lives that are here this morning. Oh God, help us not to be just lukewarm Christians. Lord, help us not to be people that are just wanting to profess something that we don't possess. Lord, we pray today that you would help each one of us to relook at our lives and make sure that, Lord, you are the boss. You are under the management of our lives. Lord, that You're going to control what we think and we say and we do in our lives because, Lord, we've given them to You. Father, speak to hearts and lives right here this morning. And Lord, we pray that this will be a day that the church would go when the light is out and become the church in the world to win Jesus, people to Jesus. Father, speak to hearts and lives right here now and we'll give You the thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Will You come as we sing? 170, 270.